Welcome to the Artist Podcast, the podcast for the visual artists. I'm your host, Hugo van Skalkwijk. Now, I'm not a professional artist. I'm a part-time knife maker and a full-time project manager, but I love art, and I love talking to artists. With this podcast, I hope to introduce you to artists, whether they do it professionally or for themselves. Before we begin, I'd like to thank our Patreon for making this podcast possible. Thank you, Kokosita. And if you'd like this podcast and would like to contribute, head on over to patreon.com forward slash artistspodcast, where you can learn how you can get your name or brand name called out at the beginning of the show. In this episode, we talk to Jock Miller. Jock is a bronze sculptor and a painter. If you'd like to see some of the art that we discuss, head on over to www.artistspodcast.co.za. There you'll find all the details how you can help. Hello, Jock. Welcome to the show. Hello, Yuchan. I see you are both a painter and a sculptor. Uh, that is correct, yes. Um, I mostly paint during the evenings and in the day I do my sculpture. Okay. Do you find that is uh, like jarring at all? Or do they work for each other? Or? Yeah, I think it's, it's a good balance. Um, and the two, I'm quite strong in both mediums. Um, I, just, I find it quite stimulating to do both. Um, okay. Yeah, so I think they do complement each other in a, in a very um, in a good way. Okay, if you were to like, if you go to a gallery, do you then put your paintings and the sculptures in the same space, or do you find that some galleries want to just do the sculptures and the other just do the paintings? Um, at this stage in time, I focus mainly on um, my sculptures um, because my subject matters are quite, where painting is concerned, um, is quite um, subjective. Where the sculptures, I think, um, I think painting is a, a very generalized art form at this stage in time. Where sculpture, I think sculpture is the future where in 3D art is concerned. Um, I think there's a smaller market uh, for my painting than my sculptures. So some galleries only uh, focus on my sculptures and mostly the guys that do my sculptures don't like my painting. There's one gallery that does both paintings and sculpture. Tell me a bit about your history. Where do you come from? Sure, I was born in um, Pretoria in 1980 in South Africa, the Republic of South Africa. Um, and I've done my, completed my school years, my matric and my um, studies all uh, here in Pretoria. Um, um, I studied fine arts at the uh, University, Chuan University of Technology and all days at Technicon Arts Campus, uh, where I specialized in um, painting and sculpture. And then, yeah, and just um, soon after that, um, after my studies, I started full-time uh, making art um, so when you went like full-time making art did you go like the whole um the, how do you how's that process work do you just decide to go freelance or for yourself or do you because i'm not an artist i don't know how, how the basic business is well it's a very it's a minefield Art's a very difficult industry i think um well, globally um uh, because it's such a generalized thing i mean it's a subculture group and people have, have a misperception regarding artists and the art subculture group. So I think it's quite a difficult thing. For me, on the other hand, I had a balance. I didn't, I did other things as well um, in order to make art. I didn't just start making art and make a professional business out of it, but I, I sold paintings and artworks and it kept me going and it just built, uh, basically um, it evolved, you know, and um, to a stage where I could um, focus mainly on that and make that my main uh, income. So what did you do um, when you were, were not like to be, being a full-time artist yet? So I was a personal trainer. I trained people in the gym and uh, in the fitness industry. I, I worked in the fitness industry for quite a while. 
um, yeah, it, yeah, it was easy money. It was a good, um, it was a positive thing, you know, to keep you going. And I mean, the artist world's very, uh, I'd say, um, I wouldn't say depressing, but it's it's quite lonely. So there needed to be a balance. And so I found my the other thing that complemented me in my strive for idealism, both in my work and myself, in training, fitness training and bodybuilding and those kind of things, um, while I did my art, yeah. So it's quite a diverse uh, thing, but I think at the end of the day, it's, the two is walks hand in hand. I mean, both is uh, an idealistic approach to life, I mean, and self-discipline. Why did you decide to pursue art as a career? Sure, that's an interesting question. Um, I think I actually wanted to do law or psychology eventually in, in the beginning, but um, uh, life happened so that I started doing art classes in, um, in my mid-teens before I um, <clears throat> went to study. And then one day, I don't know, was, uh, while I was doing art classes, the lady at the classes, I, I originally wanted to go do graphic design as well. I was off the, the, um, the academic... Um, Things for all the, the law and the psychology and then I decided to um, do graphic designing and the lady that gave me art classes I was about 17 or so she said she mentioned yeah why don't you just um, go study art so I thought at that stage in time yeah it could be I mean I got a lot of stimulation out of art and I mean it was I was quite good at it so I thought yeah let's let's give it a go I mean I was fortunate to be able to do that because of my mom's help and um, support um, at, at the beginning my parents were totally against it i mean you know the misperception uh, well, general south african people have about art and there's no money you'll never make money how are you going to make money you know the whole basic thing of artists are poor you know yeah you know all the people i love neg- there was a lot of negativity regarding that but um, eventually i you know i usually i always do the things i want to do I, mean, I don't listen to people so i do what i want to do and i mean if I look back, I, I, there's no regrets whatsoever. So I, I'm quite happy about the whole process and the whole journey, you know, and the, the self-discovery um, thing. And it took me very long to realize that this was my destiny, you know. Um, I only realized it a couple of years ago. Uh, but um, I think as soon as you make peace with that and you accept that's, that's the destiny, then you're going to have peace. And then, and then things just start to happen, you know. Uh, how did studying art help you? <sighs> studying art helped me. Um, I didn't, le- to be quite honest with you, I didn't learn that much. I, I learned more in, in sculpture. Art is not something I think you can learn. I think it's something that you grow into and something that only you can do. I mean, it, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a continuous process of, you must practice like anything in life, like sport, uh, anything. If you don't practice it, even if you're a genius, you're not going to be good at it. Um, so I think it was my, just the determination and consistency um, that, um, formed the whole, that sculpted the whole thing. But to answer your question, uh, it, it taught me, probably taught me um, dedication because the projects and the things we did was quite um, intensive uh, in the first year because we had a foundation year where you did a lot of subjects and you had a lot of um, practical um, projects. So it kept us quite busy. I mean, you worked, you literally worked day and night to get your project finished uh, for marking. So I think that's the one thing he taught me was in uh, consistency in my work. If you did not do this, what would you be doing? Yeah, now if I have to think about it now, I don't, I, there's nothing else in this world I would want to do. Uh, nothing. Now this is what I what I have to what I was born to do. I got a couple of rapid fire questions. The thing we can go through is literally just um, in and out, and if it works, then it's great. 
And if not, then we take it out. Cool. <laughs> okay. Do you have any pets? No. A telephone call or an email? A phone call. What is your spirit animal? I don't know. I have no idea. I know my star, my star sign is a Cancerian. <laughs> Interesting question. I'll go Google it after this. <laughs> I think the idea originally came from, what's it, Fight Club, where this guy is going in and he's now going to experience his whole, like, yeah. um, he's, he's getting in touch with his inner spirit. And then he meets his spirit animal that's now representing his pathway <laughs> to existence. And then in waddles a penguin. <laughs> Your spirit that is useless. <laughs> Basically, exactly. my story. Uh, who would play you in the movie of your life? Sure. Interesting question. I'd like to play myself. <laughs> okay, that's a good one. If you had a superpower, what would it be? There's quite a few that I would like to have. Um, I think if I could uh, maybe fly. Okay. What is your favorite quote? Uh, sure. There's quite a few, but um, I think something that's stuck um, is probably something um, like when you conquer, you know? Yeah, I think that's one of the most dynamic ones that made the impact, you know? Do you listen to music? And what is on your playlist right now? Sure, I listen to a lot of music, a lot of soundtracks. I like metal, old 60s, 70s music, or even classical music. Depends on the mood I'm in. If I wake up in the morning, yeah, that's oh yes, it's vast. I mean, my musical taste is vast. I, I don't like. I, I definitely don't like all these '80s stuff, techno, all this rubbish. But um, yeah, I'm an old schooler. Okay. Yeah. How would you describe your art in an elevator to a stranger? Um, I give them my business card and say to knock themselves out. Yeah. Okay, well, that's it for the rapid fire questions. What is your favorite medium? Um, I like working in oil paint and uh, bronze, obviously, and uh, stone. I, I, okay. Yeah, that's, that's what I like. If you go like a bronze, like you do the whole um, uh, modeling clay and then do the mold making and costing the bronze. Yes, the whole lost wax process basically I do myself. Um, I, first start off, yeah, I first start off with the uh, um, with the clay and then I make a silicone rubber mold and I make a material one mold um, after that and then I do the waxes um, as well as the uh, fireproof ceramic mold and then I melt my waxes out and I cast it. So I basically do everything myself. And, then and I you're say, like you, at your studio? Yes, I've, some, I've got a little backyard foundry at, in my, um, where I stayed my house. So it's very primitive, but it works for me, you know, it's not, the, um, and then I do my, so, yeah, so it's pretty basic, but that's all I need. I don't need uh, uh, anything more than that, you know. I do my welding, my patinas, everything, yeah, so. Excellent. What's the, what's the largest size that you can go at? Well, I can do life size. Um, it's difficult sometimes logistically to do it yourself, but if I need assistance, I ask my cousins or some of my buddies to help me do the bronze casting or whatever, you know. So you, you do the, your, your costing and your sculptures during the day and then at night you paint? Yeah, it depends on, uh, mainly at, at evening, I, in the evening I do waxes maybe, unless I do something bigger, I do in a studio where I do my painting, um, but mainly in the, in, at night I, I do painting. What do you find as your inspiration? Oh, sure, that's, I think life is my, every day you wake up so is inspiring to do art, you know. And you have days that you're down and, I wouldn't say depressed, but when you don't want to do anything, you just want to think. You get days where you just want to think, you don't want to make art. So 
I, I frequently have that, but if you force, if you get into the to the, to the rhythm of things, and you, um, like I said, in the consistency of the work, you just uh, you just work, and when stuff's finished, you might take off for a day or two, and you just uh, regroup. When you work and you say you're finished, is it finished a sculptor, or is it to finish a body of work, or how do you define your work sets? You know, I'm not, a lot of artists say painting and artwork never finished. I, I think that's just from a, it's just a cliche, man. Everyone wants to say that, but I think it's you know when something's done and it's done. That's how I do things. You know, if I make a, if I finish the sculpture from the beginning to end, after the patina and the base, and you put your felt at the bottom, you sign your name, you're done. I mean, that's your that's your your signatures, your artistic approval to put you, for me is my approval to get my work out there. And then it, it, it approved my standard uh, of what I do. So yeah, that's that's more or less the way I interpret and I see it. Okay. How many? It's, uh, just thinking now. If, if you do casting and stuff, do you only do bronze and stone, or do you do something else as well? No, I only use bronze, and I, I do stone carving as well, um, quite well. Granite, the marble, and sandstone carving, but mainly it's bronze, and I use stone for bases and to incorporate it into the sculptures. Yeah. Okay. I use natural elements. I don't incorporate. Uh, I wouldn't incorporate, for example, a, a, a bronze with plastic or uh, uh, any inorganic uh, element like uh, cement or concrete or things like that. I mean, you just don't mix uh, things like that with uh, inferior, uh, superior medium with inferior medium. I, I just don't do it that way. Yeah. If you were to cast like a sculpture, how many times would you recast the same sculpture? Um, I sell them. I don't have theories. The way I do it, I manipulate the material uh, that I do. For example, if I do a figure, right, um, I would uh, cast that figure, and then every sculpture I make comes out differently. So I can't call it a series because my way of making sculpture is quite unconventional because I like the imperfections and the holes and the mistakes in the medium where others founders or whatever, they want this perfect little sculpture. And I can't do it like that. I don't do it like that uh, because, I mean, it's just, you know, it's not me. I mean, nothing's perfect. So the whole, um, the, the work manifests, I think life manifests in the work, you know, my work. And I, I leave it as is because, I mean, that's the way the sculpture wanted to come out and uh, present itself to me. So that's the way then I finish it off and, I leave it as is. You know, it's a finished state. It's a finished statement, and um, yeah, that's the way I see it. That's so fascinating because I've been I looked at looking at your work, and I saw there's this uh, one sculpture of a a guy sitting, but his legs is all broken apart. I was wondering what the story about that was. Oh yeah, that one's fossilized youth. Um, that's just the way. Yeah, it's a model. It's a, it's a, it's a, I did it actually. I did the model uh, probably in 2002, and there was a little white hydro stone. I cast it in hydro stone those days when I was studying. And then the sculpture was here on my cupboard, and I thought, yeah, it would actually be a nice bronze. So I made a mold, and I cast it in bronze, and that's the way it came out, you know. Um, legs didn't cast, and I call it fossilized use, because I, I got the feel that it's a fossilized in, in, impermanence, basically. That's what it comes down to, the whole transient process, like seasons, man. Yeah, yeah. Because you spoke quite a bit about the, in the, transient, uh, the transient nature of your work. What exactly does that mean? I was wondering. It means vergankelijkheid. It's basically ah, okay. the, the, it's just a more refined word for vergankelijkheid. Now I was looking mm-hmm. for another word uh, regarding that. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, both of us being Afrikaans, I'm not entirely certain what half these words mean. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's basically 
it's basically the way of life. I mean, birth and death and seasons changing, things live and they die, things aren't perfect, the imperfections of life, you know. Yeah. And the impermanence of life. Yeah, and the impermanence. That's the word I was looking for. Okay. okay. Impermanence, that's it. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's the essence of the work. So that's fascinating because I'm I'm thinking I'm I'm playing through all the um, the different sculptures that I've been looking at your uh, from you, and one of them one of them was the um, the Tal monument. Is another Tal monument? Is the Furtrekker monument? Furtrekker monument. Yeah. yeah. That, was, that was a commission from a lady. She wanted me to do a traditional uh, donkey cart uh, with donkeys in a donkey cart, and she wanted a ox wagon with oxen, as well as the Furtrekker monument. Yeah. Exactly. But the Fuerteca monument had this whole big hole in the back. I was wondering whether you're doing some sort of political or a statement with it. Oh, uh, yeah, basically. Yeah, no, no, I, I didn't intend to do a political statement. But if, you, if you really want to go intellectually analyze the monument, there's a lot of uh, metaf metaphorical elements in it that one can read in the current situation in the country now with the, with the four Boer uh, soldiers on the corners. They basically look like chess figures, but they cut off at the legs, so one can, if one want to, inter I thought about it actually after I finished sculpture, how people would interpret it, um, uh, and, and that's the the the, the whole um, the metaphorical analysis that I concluded regarding that. So I thought about how would people read into it, and how how I can. I didn't plan, but that's the way it came out. So. Yeah, there's a there's a cool thing about it is when you when you look at sculpture when um it, it seems like you you use the happy accident almost and work on that not just have the full on plan this is going to look exactly like I want it to look yes that, that's the whole the, the whole surprise of it I mean, I mean pouring the metal then I'm I, I, sometimes I leave wax in the mold so it does, it makes holes so basically what it comes down to is the it is an element of chance but. It's almost like a, like every time you do it, it's discovering a new secret. The, the, the sculpture comes out in a whole different way. Yeah, so that's that's quite interesting. Yeah, that is. No, I'm I'm thinking that that is totally fascinating. And then we walk over into the painting side of it, where it seems like it's a lot more like planned, and it's a lot more. It's, they, are there any happy accidents like the randomness almost in your sculptures, in your paintings? And no, I wouldn't say that the painting is more, for me, the painting is to master the medium. I don't care about the subject matter. So painting for me is I want to, I just want to make magic. With, and I think technically I'm quite um, good at oil painting. Um, the subject matter is subjective. I mean, uh, that's why I say my paintings in your contemporary galleries aren't as popular as my sculptures. But uh, the painting I do for some for, for for more intellectual for totally different stimulation in the sculpture. I saw you did some um, paintings. What's it, um, Kubis? Kubis, Kubis Haupt, yeah. Yeah, I just did a little uh, like a portrait of him. I'm, I'm busy with the series now. Actually, um, I made one of them with the called JP as well, and Ian Redling as he was the the head of the fine art department in the, the uh, at Technicon when I studied. And yeah, I just changed. I, I just wanted to. I, I almost call this the series my teachers, and I'm going to do one of Renier Larue as well now, and Jan van der Merwe. Um, yeah, so that, and uh, the late Basi Eisel. So that, that's a couple of guys that had an impact on me as a, a sculptor and an artist. It's fascinating because I don't know many of these people. I would like to now go and find out more of them. Yeah, it's quite interesting. Yeah, yeah the Kubis Haupt is quite, uh, is a very prominent. Uh, uh, according, I, I think he's one of the best uh, figurative sculptors in the country. 
Um, and uh, I think uh, Renier is more, he used to be a technical assistant in the technic- at the Technicon. He's, he's a technical genius. I think this guy is absolutely brilliant. I don't think there's any guy in this country that's better than this guy where technical aspects of anything is concerned. Eh? Tell me, are they um, online as well? Yeah, they are on uh, Instagram and I think on, uh, yeah, a lot of them is on Facebook as well. Um, yeah, you won't be, yeah, it should. Go follow them and look at their work. I mean, I'm definitely going to do that. I'm going to, um, at the, uh, after this meeting, uh, if you can send me the links to all of them, then I'm going to link it up on the um, on the on our website. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it would be awesome. Yeah, because I'm always looking to promote promote artists, and especially because I don't know any of these people. Um, I was wondering, uh, do you actually have? Because I know that the Pretoria scene is quite uh, quite big, uh, the art scene there, and um, it's it's interesting because I don't know anybody. But do you guys actually have like connections with other people in other parts of the country? Yeah, to be quite honest with you, I think the art scene in South Africa is very uh, judgmental, and I think I have to be honest with you, I have one, two, three, four artist friends in, in Pretoria and that's it. I don't have any other artist friends in South Africa whatsoever. I, I have a lot of connections in, in the material industry and stuff, but um, I think the guys are very, uh, firstly, I think they're very arrogant, a lot of them, and they're not humble. The guys that I mentioned you now is the most humble down-to-earth guys that there are. Your South African guys, unlike international guys, they, they don't want to give advice. They don't want to help you regarding sculpture and stuff. So that's why I don't have a very good relationship with a lot of these guys. Uh, I don't know why they are why they are like this, but I think it's just a South African thing. Yeah, but what I like about what you say about the the whole um, helping out is um, I had a conversation with Kovis um, on Instagram. And it was backwards and forwards about I don't know what, and uh, we ended up talking about um, clay and the, what type of clay he was using. It turns out he's mixing his own clay. Now, again, to me, this is weird. I've, I, My experience, okay, I'm not a full-time sculptor. I'm like a part-time player. So um, looking at what he did, and he then said, no, he's got this uh, mixture that he mixes his own plasticine clay. That's correct, yes. And yes. I asked him, like, geez, this is insane. What's the, what's the, the recipe for it? And he proceeded to give me the entire recipe, one shot. There you go, no problem. You can go make your own plasticine. No idea that it would really handy, and and I still have to go out and do this because the amount he was talking about, you're going to do a full full body amount of clay with the amount that he's given me. Yeah, but absolutely, and I, I think, and that's the that, that's the main thing that I think people should do the interaction. That's that's what I think is very is fabulous about your whole uh, program that you want to uh, bring people together to share ideas and things. And I think that's uh, yeah, it's a singe, it's it's an awesome concept. Tell me, um, so you're more in the, the like the nets and bolts. I mean, you, the way that you do art uh, with your sculptors, especially most sculptors or a lot of sculptors that I know is actually handing over that process to a foundry. Yeah, that's a little bit of a cop out, you know. If I, I, I'm also in that sense of the of the way. I'm quite, I wouldn't say snobbish, but I think it's it's a little bit of a cop out. Uh, it's easy to make a little clay thing and then take it to a guy and they do all the work and you just sign your name and you sell it. I mean, that that's kind of defies the whole purpose for me. Because there's a, there's definitely, I think, um, the, the the magic of it is is what you do when you actually play in that area. That is really awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you don't get the real satisfaction if you don't if you haven't casted the bronze yourself and you didn't do the TIG welding or that thing. You didn't do the sandblasting and the patina with the flame. 
I mean, if you don't do that things, I mean, you don't really grasp the con, you don't really get it, you know. It's actually interesting. I had a conversation, uh, I think, earlier about um, uh, people who was in Berlin where I actually walked into a workshop where the entire workshop uh, was dedicated to make sculptures for other people. And uh, the main guy with his name is going to go in there and he literally he designed the thing. He got the contract because a lot of the work that they were doing was um, public sculptures. The guy would get a public, uh, the, the rights or the commission to do a three meter tall sculpture in the middle of a garden, public garden. And then he would then design it, build it. He would go work through the entire process with the, the developers. And then he would take it to this um, uh, workshop and they would actually proceed to make the sculpture. And I don't know whether he actually put any hand on the sculpture. He was just, that's what I want. And this guy's just delivered. Yes, there's a lot of, uh, I won't mention any names, but there's quite a few uh, well-known uh, entities in the art world that they just signed in I'm, i know that they just signed their names on the thing and they've got 20 30 guys in the studio that makes the thing amongst art students and they just look at it and they sign their names and then the, they sell it under their name but that's unfortunately the way it works i mean if, if you want to make money and you're running a big business then you have 20 guys doing the work for you and you sign your name and you make the money unfortunately we live, we live in the 21st century and i mean that's the way people are going to do it i mean but that's the way you know Tell me, uh, if you do the work and then you put the work in a gallery. So how's your relationship with galleries? Is it, is it you find it's a, it's a good way of selling things? Would you rather do it online? Uh, well, I'm not very, f I never explored the online thing quite um, as such, but um, I've got, I'm in a few galleries and uh, my work is, we have a good understanding regarding that. Um, the people that do market my work, they do online marketing and things. So they do quite well. So um, with that is concerned, I get a couple of people that do these things for me. And yeah, it works well for me at this stage in time. Where do you exhibit? Well, I've got a couple of uh, galleries at, um, I do at, um, I exhibit a lot of work in Pretoria at the design, uh, not the design, but at the showroom art gallery in Olympus. Um, and I've got uh, work at the Alet uh, Vessels, art, uh, the Pretoria Art Room, um, Pretoria Kunstkamer. And then I've got works at um, Kramerville in Santon at Batuka Interior, as well as at Four Ways at the Design Court. Um, there's a gallery called um, um, Bontais. Uh, they do a lot of uh, interior as well as uh, uh, fine arts, um, yeah, and basically, and it's in um, Stellenbosch at the Dorpstraat Gallery. Okay. Um, I've got quite a few uh, sculptures. Excellent, because I, I actually know the Dorpstraat. It's a gallery that I frequent quite a bit. It was at Mike Duncan's place, yeah. Okay. Because my, my brother stays in Cape Town. We've got, actually, I, 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 I'm quite a lot down there. Okay. Well, then if you come down next time, we need to meet up. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, yeah, he stays in Somerset West. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I've, I've been there uh, four weeks ago. I've been in Cape for two weeks. So, yeah, it's, it's a quite frequent. I, I come down quite frequently. Um, yeah, but I, I, am, I would like to, um, an objective to, of mine is to get more sculptures in Cape Town at um, more, I, I think, farm galleries, the, 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 in the Winelands galleries and things like that. And, and I haven't focused on it yet because... Um, yeah, it's quite an intensive thing. I think one physically have to be there and you have to go see the people. But but that's the, my next uh, aim. We're actually in the process of eventually we're going to move down. 
Okay. Yeah, we were actually looking at houses for the last two years now. Oh, wow. Well, looking forward to it then. Yeah, so we're waiting for the right thing to happen, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Do you, um, I see you sell overseas as well. Yeah, I sold a couple of pieces um, uh, in a couple of uh, countries uh, to collectors and guys. Um, yeah, but uh, but the market overseas, I mean, for the, I think it's it, it's it's a, like you say now. I think the best way for overseas marketing is online and these kind of things. But like I said, I don't have time to explore that, and I'm not a computer guy. So um, yeah, so I think eventually um, that would be the avenue to explore and to go if you want to uh, sell more work overseas because i mean for them our money is nothing so it's easy for them to buy art is uh, i mean it's it's, it's, change, it's pocket change and that's the market that we you want to that's the market that you want to tap into and you want to explore and you want to yeah so i mean you've got quite a strong um, online presence though yes i wouldn't call it strong but i mean uh, i mean there's a guys with thousands of followers but i only recently started uh, putting stuff on facebook and instagram probably over the last two years i focused on that i mean i've only been on instagram for the last i don't even think a year i haven't i think eight months i've been on instagram for about six or seven months now yeah like i say i mean all these things is a it's a total different uh, facebook marketing and thing is it's almost like a subject matter on its own it's something you have to study to get right and you have to spend money on that so that's something that i would rather pay someone who knows about that than going to explore the avenues myself because I really just I don't have time to make art and to do that. I've got the other side around. I've got I had a, a lot of time to to fool around evenings finding out how that works. So yeah. <laughs> I and build myself a German, a business Absolutely. over there. It's not even a business. That's other part of it. It's like I've been fooling around there and I've got like a fairly good following on Instagram um, and, and not very much else. I, I tried my best doing like YouTube videos. But I mean, you've got about 20,000 people. I, I don't think I'm, I'm going to get 20,000 followers in the next 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, I don't know how, how the guys do that. Uh, it's crazy. The big thing that I've been, I've been thinking about is like, yeah, okay, so I've got a, a good following, but is that a following that's actually talking back to me? I know of guys that's got like a thousand followers, but they actually kind of make a living off selling to those thousand followers. So it's no, um, my game plan was different. I was trying to get followers so that I can promote or promote other people. I wasn't trying to sell my work, which is a completely different way of, of getting followers or, or addressing or uh, communicating with your followers. So I think if you if you can get so if I was to try and sell my work I failed because I've I've made a lot of work and I put it and showed it on Instagram and nobody bought it so that doesn't work but if you actually if your game plan is to sell your work on Instagram then do it different way yeah but you know what I I, I don't think I I think I sold about two sculptures on Instagram and I think I sold about two paintings on Facebook since I've been on it with all these hundreds and thousands of photos and things that I put on. So I, I think it's just uh, for public awareness uh, to get your name out there. I think that's the main thing because I don't, as, I don't focus on the selling of the product as such. Uh, and that's where other people come in to do it. I, I must admit that because I've seen people try and sell their work on Facebook or Instagram and they tend to be uh, very ham-handed about it. And it doesn't really come across as, as being a, a smooth sell. Yeah, well, for me, for me, I, 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 I for, for instance, I wouldn't put prices next to my work. I'd say available and things, but I, I wouldn't go on the auction route and stuff because that makes, I don't want to, I wouldn't say, but that makes you almost feel desperate. I mean, it makes you look desperate. Like if you putting your things on, then you say, oh, you get this discounts and stuff. 
I mean, it's not a it's not a checkers product or pick and pay thing. I mean, it's a specialized trade, and one and one has to uh, maintain a kind of a exclusivity regarding it. You know, and I I get the feeling that you make yourself I wouldn't say you make yourself cheap, but it's just that's not my way of doing it. No, I definitely think so because I've uh, the the people that I've uh, heard of that actually were selling is the case of the guy would contact and said that thing actually speaks to me and I want that sculpture or I want that painting. Is it available? How is it available? And then a conversation can start. That's correct. But I've always seen like your your Instagram and Facebook um, world. That's like a marketing wing of your business uh, where you just pump in money and hopefully something comes out of it. But you don't. You don't go out and say that it's not your sales part of the business, it's the marketing side of the business. Yes. Well, I've, you know what? Uh, the, I spoke to some artists that uh, do know, uh, they did do an intensive study on this Facebook marketing thing, and they said they're doing quite well, and they're making uh, quite a lot of money uh, through that. But then, but, then but, but like I say, they uh, do courses on, uh, for example, I don't know if you heard of Yvette Bjerneke in Cape Town. Uh, and she, she actually, I spoke to her, and she, she, she actually studied this whole Facebook marketing thing. I mean, it's most intensive thing. Uh, and and if you pay like a, you can you can get away with a couple of hundred bucks a month, and you can get your name out there and get thousands of followers. And she and she makes the money back over. She says she does very well. So, but I mean, that's a. I don't like. I say I hate computers, and I I'm not going to sit in front of a computer for three hours a day. To try to sell my art. I mean, I'm sorry, I'm not going to do that. Then in that case, I'd rather make art and I'd pay a guy to do it for me. That's my way of looking at it. But I think it's definitely the way to go. It's the 21st. It's the it's the cheapest uh, marketing tool in the world. And I mean, if you can intensively do it properly, I think you're gonna you're gonna make a more of a lot of money. I mean, a killing. Uh, but but then it's it's a total different. Then that will have to be your occupation to do Facebook marketing and social media marketing. And I think it. Is, it is brilliant, but I mean, like I say, me and my fellow couple of sculptors, we don't have time for that. Uh, do you do collaborations? Uh, no, I haven't done. I've done a couple of solo uh, exhibitions with uh, Carol Lee Fine Arts in Melville and with a couple of galleries here, but not, not really. Uh, to be quite honest with you, I don't really like exhibitions. Uh, I haven't done a lot of them because I feel, I also feel. I, I seldomly go to my own. I wouldn't go to my own exhibition also because I, I don't know. I feel funny about it. It, it makes me feel like I'm desperate, and I, and I'm not like that. I, like I make the work, I put it in a gallery, and the work must sell itself. I don't want to walk around at an exhibition with a drink in my hand and talk nonsense to people, and uh, I try to sell my work with being trying to be intellectual and all this kind of stuff. I, I don't. I don't like it. So so that's why there's professionals. They do like talking nonsense with people, and they can, by all means, uh, they can do it with love. Tommy, what keeps you motivated going? Every time I sell a, a sculpture. <laughs> no, I wouldn't say that. No, no, it's not, no not really like that. Like, you know, it's, it's a, I get a, a big kick out of it. Though. The whole process of doing it, and um, I just, what keeps me going? About it? Yeah, it's just, no, it's, it's divine work. Uh, the, 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 it's just divine. I can't explain it to you. It's it's just something. Uh, it's the best job I ever had. It's it's just amazing. What would you like people to get from your work? Well, firstly, I think it has to it has to enrich their lives. It it must speak to their souls, you know. And the thing is, it's it's almost it, it for me. It's, it's immortality. Yeah. At the end of the day, to get my work out there, 
in collections and I mean the work is going to last forever it's going to be at the end of existence so I mean that's a big motivation um, if you to come back to the previous question I mean the whole you live forever thing I mean if you look at it if you look at life and people I mean in a lifetime the existence after a couple of years it's non-existent anymore it's, they, they've, got, they've forgotten that and that's I think it's a waste of life I mean so it's quite I'm motivated by by that and, and obviously the joy people get out of the work I mean I had guys I, I've got guys that are obsessed over the work they buy like 10 20 sculptures that in their houses among other artists um, yeah but that's the satisfaction that's a great kicker I love that. I love the, the whole the because uh, because part of it is like the the whole um about the the sculptures that you do, and and you and then combined with that is the whole idea of living forever combined with the everything will perish. Yeah, it's a crazy concept. Uh, yeah. yeah, I love it. I love it's it. quite contra- It's very contradictory, actually. Yeah, it's very cool. But it's yeah, yeah it's it's a cra- yeah, it's crazy. Tell me, um, do you approach your art? Um, it's it's you approach your art as a business. This is not just pleasure. You actually go ahead and do it as a business. Yeah, actually, you know what, you know, and that's the thing we haven't been taught the technique on, and and therefore I'm quite I'm not angry about it, but I think it's a big injustice. You know, the technique taught you the mentality of you're an artist. You must hold your hands in a bowl and. You must take what you can get for your work. And I think that's absolute nonsense. Look at your famous jewelry designers and things. I mean, Jenna Clifford, all these guys, cattle boys and all these people, for example. Um, I mean, uh, you, you, they, they, you must use your trade. I mean, it is a business. You have to make money out of it. You can't, I, I'm not saying you must be arrogant and things, but, but you, you must be humble, but you must be a businessman and you must see it as a way of, earning an income and a living eventually. I mean, because artists are not going to get pension. We must work till we die. And that's what it comes down. And that's very important. And people have a total misperception regarding that. And that's the main thing why artists, I think, is struggling so much because they don't have that frame of reference um, regarding seeing their work as a business. And I think that's a big gap in the art industry in South Africa. I don't know globally. Globally, globally art's big. I mean, in our culture, art is not as big. I mean, I don't think art's ever been seen as a business, a flourishing business in South Africa um, because of the subculture uh, perception that your uh, con- conservative uh, Calvinistic approach with uh, Afrikaners had regarding that. But um, I think it's something that needs to be uh, educated. People need to be educated, artists, future artists, in, in, in incorporating a business perspective into their work. And that's the lack we had while studying in the early 2000s um, at the Technicon. Do you find, uh, do you have uh, uh, any connection with uh, current studying guys? With, with people studying at the moment? Yeah. Not at, all. Not, a, not at all. The only thing that I do know is that... Yeah, no, I was just wondering whether they're actually addressing this as a, as a business thing. Now, you know what, at the end of the day, I think a lot of trades are dying. Yeah, um, yeah that's true. And and that's terribly sad. And, and, and that... Yeah, and yeah, and in our lifetimes, I don't know what's going to happen, but yeah. I'll tell you a positive thing surrounding that because I'm seeing this happen in America, where uh, they've been having this the same con- uh, battle that the trades are busy dying, but the trades are not dying. The trades are being picked up not by the big businesses, but by the lone guy in, the, in his in his studio, and a lot of guys are busy finding out that actually it's really handy or very good to work with your hands, and they they want to do this and. 
it's going to cost you right now about 5,000 rand to get a semi-decent um, uh, metal lathe. But that metal lathe would have cost a business 100,000 rand in the beginning of the century. So all of a sudden, it becomes really possible for the business guy or the guy in this garage to actually do the do the the lathing and the 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 actual hand work. So I'm seeing that's going to work more and more. And the very fact that you've got a foundry in your backyard tells me that that is something that can happen. Yes, absolutely. But there's a very few guys that do that. And I mean, I think I, I think your generation. I think to be honest with you, I think um, technology made mankind lazy and i think and, and that's absolutely and your youth today you guys i don't think there's, there's not a lot of guys that do do their own cars i know there's a, lot, a couple of guys in pretoria that have their own uh, backyard foundries and things but i, I it's not as big as it, i think it could be yeah it's it's interesting because um i don't know if you like i've seen that the, um, there's a lot of like youtube videos on how to set up your own foundry yeah because I've been looking at it, I was thinking about it uh, to actually start uh, fooling around with that. It's an excellent idea. I mean, you can do it for quite cheap. I think my whole, to be quite honest with you, I, I, and I've got a hell of a big oven. Everything I do is bigger than normal. <laughs> I'm looking at my friend as I actually sit there. It's just out, out the window here. Yeah. So, but but uh, I think the whole setup can cost you uh, maybe 10, 15 grand, the whole thing. Eh? And you have a foundry. Eh? How much do you? How much money does it cost you to flame uh, to fire that thing? No, I just buy twenty-five liters of diesel, and I think I use about um, I, th I use about thirty liters of diesel in two hours, and I melt a pot of bronze in in two hours. Yeah. How do you do it with diesel? I thought you were going to use a propane. No, no, no. I use diesel with a diesel uh, blower and a, a, a siphon burner. I, most of the guys use diesel. Yeah. I did not know that. That is really interesting. I need to go and find that out because my, my entire mindset of, of how a furnace works is, is with, uh, is with uh, the propane. I'm sure you can use propane for a small little furnace. I, I'm sure you can do that. Um, but on, on, the, on this scale, I think diesel is a cheaper, uh, better alternative. Yeah, much better. Yeah, but there was the 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 money, the price of um, propane was one of the reasons why I actually did not go into this because I did not realize you could do it with diesel. No, I suppose it's propane expensive. I don't even know. Oh, I've, I I just had a feeling that if you're going to be firing a propane um, torch or uh, the furnace for two three hours, then you're going to be looking at a lot of money. Yeah, that's that's insane. Yeah, yeah, diesel's much cheaper. I mean, it costs you about three hundred rand for. Uh, 25 liters of diesel so it's not even five six hundred bucks for 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 a whole cost yeah yeah that's not a lot of money yeah. that sounds like a plan actually that's really although i'm not sure what my wife is going to think when i'm going to be firing up a, a furnace in my backyard <laughs> yeah, yeah it depends on where you stay i mean i don't think the neighbors will be happy either but it doesn't make such a noise it doesn't make a big noise also i mean if you if you're responsible and you know what you're doing and you you can you contain it then yeah it's 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 easy uh, I was just wondering, how much time do you spend making art versus selling your art? Do you just drop it off at a gallery or do you actually spend time marketing to galleries? No, you know what? I don't really market to galleries. I've, I basically make art and I, I've got private collectors that if I, after I finish making new things, I send them a couple of images, they take what they want and then the rest of the stuff I distribute between galleries. So I, I rotate the works and um, yeah so the galleries do all the work for me and like i say um 
the guys that I do that you do give me commissions and things are guys that already know me and they they would contact me to make them things and stuff like that. So you do do commissions? Yes, yeah, there quite a few. I, I've got I started this year uh, with quite a, a lot of commissions. I'm fortunate, uh, fortunate uh, to be able to uh, do that. How long did it take you to actually? Uh, I mean, from deciding you're going to be doing art to you actually got enough of a client base to be able to do this like you are currently explaining it. Well, that's relative. I mean, um, client base. I mean, I can. You're never going to have enough clients. So I mean, you're never going to make enough money. So um, just as long as you, um, you know, I think. I think the, the secret is in having the privilege to be able to work. Um, and that's the, that's the thing that, that, that I'm grateful for, to be able to work. Excellent. What are you working on at the moment? I'm working at quite a few things. I'm, I, when I make sculptures, I work on about four, five, six. I've got about eight pieces now that I'm busy working on. I'm doing the waxes of eight pieces. I'm, I'm doing a big horse for someone. He wants a horse and a girl. Um, I'm doing uh, three uh, bronze figures. Uh, for Decorex, um, and uh, where does that go? De- Decorex. Yeah, yeah, I know the Decorex, but I mean, uh, where is it going to be sold at Decorex? Oh yes, I have a, a, a no, what do you call it? Store uh, through a gallery. Yeah, through the showroom art gallery, right? I, I've got my own uh, store uh, with them. I'm going under them, but I've got my own store with my sculptures. Uh, I actually did it for the first time last year and went quite well. Um, so I, I think I think it's worth investing the money um, to get that exposure in the interior. I think a big field for my business is interior design uh, shops as well, not only fine art galleries. Because I've, I found I find that fine art galleries is very it's a very conservative uh, uh, scenario where um, where sculpture is where sculpture sales for me is quite successful is in the interior setting where there's already a, a little. Uh, thing with furniture and things so people can visualize a little picture in their head with the, the sculpture so I, I find that quite successful and uh, that's why um, i'm going to do that in decorate and then um what else am i doing i'm, I'm doing a couple of hands and feet but I, i've got a lot of things that i make now yeah yeah so i'm always busy with a lot of stuff you know it's not just one thing that keeps me occupied and then you're i mean it's, it's actually because i i know you through the paintings that you do um on instagram um and you uh, don't really put many of your sculptures on there no my sculptures is all at the beginning of the instagram i put all my sculptures on the if you scroll if you browse down to the beginning there's all my sculptures let's see them i was just wondering because uh with instagram uh the the whole way the thing works is that uh, the, the the latest nine images is everything that people see and then people, that's the first image. And then if you scroll down, then very few people actually scroll down. You know, the thing is, Nate, if I look at someone's Instagram, if someone follow me, right? I browse through all the, okay, if they, if they have more than 2,000 photos, I don't browse <laughs> down to all of them. <laughs> but, but if it's Nobody like, does, in case you were wondering. <laughs> that's just nuts. <laughs> no, totally. But if someone's got about 1,000 photos or something, and it's something that I might be interested in, I'll, I'll scan through all of them. Just quickly, and then I'd like what I what what I like, and then that's it. And then I'll follow them back or something. If it's a bunch of nonsense there, then I don't say anything or do anything. But you know what? I think if someone if it, if the work appeals to them, they would do the effort to look at the whole site. And if they don't do it, then they're not worth it anyway. So, if you have would like to promote, if you have any artists that we probably don't know of that you think is worth promoting, now, I know that you mentioned a bunch of guys in the beginning. Are there two people that you think is worth a shout out? People that I think um, that I can promote. Yeah. 
Well, I think definitely um, uh, there's two guys. Kuba's uh, um, helped. Okay, he's quite prominent. He's in quite a lot of galleries, but I think he's a top top sculptor, and, he, and he's going to be a he's he's going to be a top sculptor in the history of this country. And um, a guy called Chris Kutsia. He's a very uh, he's a stone carver. He does big granite carvings and marble. Um, uh, he, he's really a, I, I mean uh, people don't want to take a punt on him, but I think. Uh, he's, he's doing a dying trade and he's a master at it. And I think he doesn't get the exposure that he needs. And I think he can, I mean, unfortunately, the medium in South Africa is something that people don't value. People don't value stone carving in this country, like in Europe and the East, because people uh, rather, they'd rather buy bronze sculpture than buy 60 or 70 grand for a piece of rock, because they associate stone carving with these um, Zimbabwean sandstone carvings that they get next to the road. Um, unfortunately, but uh, yeah, I think that, I think he's quite uh, he, he's very good. Yeah, and obviously Quiver's helped. Um, if you Instagram in, you'll you will see a lot of stuff. Yeah. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna link um, both of them and all the other guys onto the website. But Chris is not on Chris is not on so he's on Facebook, but he's under a different name and stuff. Yeah, that, that's a different. Oh, that's been a little bit difficult. But Quiver's is definitely. No, I'm going to I'm going to we're going to find him and we're going to link him. I'm going to link him up to artistspodcast.co.za, www.artistspodcast.co.za. I'm going to link all your details on there as well. So where can people find you? People can find me on Instagram, obviously, and on Facebook, Jock Miller Artworks. Um, and my Instagram account, I don't even know what it is. You must go check no, it out. I'll check it out. It is Jock Miller Art, I think. I'm going to definitely link it there. And then people can find you and follow you. Thank you very much, Jock, for joining us. Thank you very much for you. Uh, it was an honor um, to share my experience with you. Do you think this show is worth a cup of coffee? If you do, we would love to have it. And now there's a way for you to do just that. With Patreon, you can help us for as little as a cup of coffee per month. Head on over to patreon.com forward slash artists podcast or www.artistspodcast.co.za where you can find out how you can help us. And if you have a business and would like to advertise your gallery or brand for the price of a pizza, I will call out your name at the beginning of the show. So go on to patreon.com forward slash artistspodcast or www.artistspodcast.co.za.